0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Original Doll Podcast. I am your host, James Rodriguez Horton. On the Original Doll Podcast, I interview songwriters, producers, and more to talk about the stories behind your favorite songs, from the global number one hits to those deep cuts and more. Today, we're going to talk about something a little different. Over five years ago, a call went out for playwrights, people to write plays, musicals, uh, with something with Britney Spears in mind, utilizing her music. Uh, fast forward, and it finally came to be. It's Once Upon a One More Time. That was to originally uh, open in Chicago, the pandemic stopped that, that it was going to be in Broadway, that changed everything. As we all know, everything just stopped. So today we hear about Once Upon a One More Time, and I give a little more information. We hear from award-winning playwright Tommy Jamerson about his experience with the show. I want to give a big shout out to all of my Patreon listeners. Everyone from Rochelle to Peter to Tyler to Tommy to Frankie to Lucy, Kelly, Xavier, so many more. Thank you all so much. Uh, And don't forget, follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll. And remember, I like to keep the posts positive and uplifting and going. So if you have any questions about any songs, go ahead and comment Ask me anything about your favorite songs and also suggest some songs. Uh, We have many episodes coming up and clearing up things. Uh, And what I wanted to talk about in this episode, too, was a little bit about uh, Britney Spears had actually uh, posted a photo that many said was too revealing recently. And in that photo, people were the comments were off and people were sharing it saying oh my god she's she's you know ridiculous she shouldn't be doing this, and they're gonna put her back into conservatorship and everything and and it's just this this vile nature of people automatically going back to that now, nudity is uneasy for some people um female nudity brings a whole different slew of misogyny and everything, but I did think it was interesting uh starting to see more and more fans on social media commenting that people that are throwing these words, like, she's crazy, she's unhinged, she's this, she's that, because she's posting, you know, an almost uh, fully nude photo of her with uh, covering uh, parts of her body with emojis and whatnot. And then other people were posting like, but what about the other celebrities that do this, that post the same photos, they don't get the same um, hatred, the same media attention that way. And what I think has been interesting is a lot of people take for granted their positions as we are just viewers in this. Uh, many people feel entitled to say she should do this, she should do that. And what's odd is it's the same people who said Britney needs her freedom so she can do what she wants, do as she pleases. So now that she's doing you know, what she wants or doing as she pleases, people have an issue with that. Uh, so I just think that's interesting because on social media, Things pop up and people were putting theories out, you know, wondering if her account was hacked, if, you know, this was somebody else that was doing it maliciously, so on and so forth. Now, you know, as of 24 hours later, the photo is still up there. Uh, the comments are, in fact, turned off for that. And I think that's because, and I've noticed this, and we talked about this in earlier episodes, is there's a large group of fans out there that are very, um, aggressive and trolling, and they make up things. They talk about all sorts of crazy things. They uh, make up mock things where they talk to who they said was, whether it was Larry Rudolph or, you know, these other people in her life, these managers that she had, where people were making up these screenshots and everything, uh, implying that these conversations were said. Many times they were, in fact, uh, removed from online because none of it was true. Well, I sadly have had many times where people have posted things that were Photoshop fake conversations, or uh, somebody was like, "Oh, is he a part of you know the the conservatorship team?" And I'm like, "Nope, definitely not." Um, and I had people early on when we started talking about uh, some of the free Britney uh, things, where there were comments on there like, "You know, you shouldn't talk about it. You shouldn't say anything," and then there were comments where. When we'd have the actual guest on the show and they would talk about their truths, they would say, this song was created, you know, for this artist and not Britney Spears, or that's not the demo version of it. Many sites started getting upset that on my podcast, it's just me clarifying any misinformation. There's no malintent or anything. It's honoring the legacy of Britney Spears. And what happens is if people created a narrative that went so long saying like this song was the first song that Britney Spears ever recorded and here it is and it's produced by this person and you know we have the person on the podcast and they say nope that was not for Britney that was not done for Britney that's their truth that is them saying it um and so i've had a lot of people that uh, have been angry about these things and i've had a lot of people that uh, would comment on the episodes and put nasty things on there um and i see it because what's What's been interesting is there's a lot of people that would attack Britney Spears and people who would comment about let Britney Spears do as she pleases. And people would say just nasty things and and create this toxicity. Well, looking at all this, this is something that we dealt with before from other background vocals, songwriters, producers, everything, where there's those those, you know, keyboard, you know, with those trolls out there that try to defame anyone. Um, that use their time that we have, the precious time that we have, uh, creating just nastiness and, and, you know, fake stories and things like that. And it's just sad that, like, in today's day and age, that we, knowing what we've gone through with the pandemic and everything, that there are just people that choose to just be negative and nasty and create fake, you know, rumors and things like that. And there are those people that... You would see months ago were like, yes, give Britney her freedom. Let her do as she pleases. And then those same people would be like, she needs to cover up. That's disgusting. She needs to do this. She needs to do that. And it's, it's the hypocrisy of it all. So on the original doll podcast, I make it a point of we are honoring all of these people, these great creatives that have played a part in many of the songs that we all love. And that's why I've really appreciated this because I've gotten so many positive messages and feedbacks because there's always going to be trolls and and people out there. But what I've loved is there are many people who said, oh, I didn't even know that was a song that was out there or I didn't know that this songwriter wrote that song for this other artist and now I went back and listened to it. The amount of traction, the amount of um, people that have been streaming those older songs has increased. I've gotten people commenting in my story saying, Oh my goodness, I did not even know that song existed. You know, I bought it on Apple or, you know, I streamed it on Spotify, whatever it is. And it's been cool because if you like that song, a specific song, and then you look to see who the writers, who the producers are, who is involved, check to see their other work, because you might like that other stuff. And of course, they're going to be the people that are like, oh, this, you know, person, they only had one good song or we don't like the song or that song's terrible. How can you like it? Art is subjective. Everyone likes different things, and that's the great thing about art and that freedom to have that ability. And so I just say, you know, look at those those songs that you love. Look at who wrote them. You know, and sometimes people are like, I don't know how to find that. Now on Apple um, Apple Music, you can actually look at the bottom of like the lyric side when you're in Apple Music, and it usually shows you the songwriters, producers, and everyone involved. And that's cool because... That's the fun part of about this whole podcast. Yes, of course, there's negative people, people making up things all the time, uh, you know, about Britney, the podcast, myself, the world. <laughs> um, but the great thing is there's also the people that just enjoy art, that on your saddest day, you were able to put on that song that just got you through the day. There are those songs when you fought an illness that gave you that anthemic feeling that you can do this. There are those songs that unite us. There are the songs for the underdogs. And that's what this podcast is all about. Celebrating and honoring all those people. Because Britney Spears is a top tier recording artist. She's the princess of pop. And she has impacted and changed that that landscape of music early on in her career. And what's great is she's helped bring forward so many songwriters and producers that even say I was excited just to have a you know Britney Spears record my my song or include it or even just demo it that was the great part and from there people would say and then that gave me the option of working with this artist or that artist Britney Spears has been one of those artists that throughout a lot of her career as we've heard specifically on this podcast that she doesn't t- try to take credit for songs and things she didn't do. In all of the conversations and interviews we've had, people talk about how she was involved in the songs, how she helped out with the melody. And the thing that I want to really push home is this. Almost unanimously, all of these artists that have come on the Original Doll podcast have talked about Britney Spears when she's in the studio. She loves music. She loves what she does. She knows melody. She knows what's good. She knows what she doesn't like. We just heard in an episode a couple of episodes ago about how she started demoing a song and then was like, eh, "I'm just not feeling it." And the producers were like, "Cool, let's just move on." They didn't force her to do that, you know. And and take a listen to that episode with Josh Schwartz. But what I think is important in this episode, and the reason why I want to bring this all back full circle is this: Britney Spears should have had and have autonomy over herself. Whatever she decides to do, that's her prerogative. Whatever she wants to do, that's her prerogative. So even if you don't like the decisions that she makes, let her make them because it's her decision to make. And that's why I wanted to include this episode sooner rather than later because when you listen about the storyline of once upon a one more time, the musical featuring music by Britney Spears. Think about what we know now. Now mind you, this story started five years, like this was around the glory, you know, launch, that this was being a, a discussed as a project. So think about that, that before national media got attention of the Free Britney movement, before the years before that, this story was percolating, you know, and Britney Spears was at one of the readings for the show. She, uh, the, uh, playwright said she was laughing and clapping along and everything and enjoyed it. Uh, and so I think it's, it's interesting, but I wanted to, you know, kind of go over everything. So if you're listening to this today, go out there. Britney Spears just did a post about like, just be nice, be good, you know? share that positivity. Don't waste time with the negativity. Like I said, I've been at the receiving end of it. You know, I have a podcast that you know, does well with the listeners because they love hearing all these new little pieces of information about the songs and music and the artists that we love. I knew that was going to happen. Um and so at the end of the day, choose to spread that positivity. And you know, if you're not going to listen to me, listen to the original doll, listen to the Princess of Pop Britney Spears. She is saying, you know, spread that love, spread that joy. Uh, she's commented numerous times about how she sees the comments in the comment section. People don't realize that the words that they say have weight in them. True or not true. And I just say, you know, it's, it's difficult at times for all of us to just be on social media when somebody's making up something and you're just like, this is clearly not true. And if you ever have that problem, you know, I always say this. Contact, you know, a police station, you know, file a report, go through defamation, contact um, a lawyer, handle it that way. uh, Because then you don't have to waste your time on being combative with people that are just making things up. And so for those people out there that if you're truly a fan of Britney Spears and you want her to have her freedom, let her be, let her make her own decisions. Is she going to do things you might not like? Of course we all do. But remember, it's her decision, it is her choice to make. So with that said, I want to go ahead and hop into this. And once again, thank you to the Patreon followers. Thank you to all of those listeners out there. I've received a lot of uh, great comments and and, uh, messages and things like that about people enjoying the show. And just remember, today, choose to be kind, choose to be good. It, It does seem like times you just want to be just put negativity out there because it feels good for that moment but then it doesn't so for this new year just remember take that moment take that breath step away from a situation play your favorite song play the song that makes you happy you don't have to tear down anyone else's music or their projects or anything promote ones that you like it's that simple and so for all those um listeners those fan sites and everyone that are supportive of the original doll podcast and all these artists and everything thank you so much Uh, we have a lot more coming up with many of the great sites and we have a ton of interviews and people are asking when are we going to do this interview when are you going to have this episode up everything comes down to when if we have a guest on if they're working on a project they want to hold it for a little bit Uh, We need clearance for songs. We want to make sure we have everything done correctly. That's it. So trust me, I would love to be like, here, everyone, here's all the episodes. Um, But we also want to respect the artist because that's what this is about. So I will stop talking. And this is the Original Doll Podcast. I am your host, James Rodriguez Horton. And let's go ahead and spin that theme song. Enjoy. the original. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Original Doll Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the Britney Spears jukebox musical called Once Upon a One More Time, which just finally premiered in Washington, D.C. And today's special guest is award-winning playwright Tommy Jamerson. Tommy, thank you so much for coming back to the Original Doll Podcast. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. You know, I love it. I love it. Well, and here's something. It's like you're a fan of Britney and, you know
1: plays playwright theater that's your your world so this is you can put put both of them together go ahead this is my dream like the like I am so jealous that I was not the person approached to do it because this would have been like you know oh my god the epitome (laughs) of everything that I've been working towards well and it surprised me that
0: when this first came out because it was supposed to premiere back in 2019 and then Mm -hmm. it was delayed so for the listeners Can you talk a little bit about, is that normal? Because a lot of people may say, like, I myself, I know Theater World, but I always am the listener in this. So let's say I didn't know this. Is it normal for shows to try out outside of Broadway when the end goal is to hit Broadway? And if so,
1: why? It's extremely normal. In fact, it used to be the only way that shows would do it back years ago. Um, it, it used to be that way before Facebook, many, many moons ago, uh, when word wouldn't travel to the East Coast, they would go somewhere like Chicago in the Midwest and they would tinker and they would play because shows are all about reworking them. It's a balancing act of, is this scene too long? Is this scene too short? You know, And figuring out what works and, and, and gauging from the audience's response, talking to the audience, hearing what critics have to say there. And so producers felt safe Many moons ago, that they could go to like Chicago, and if their show got terrible reviews, they knew that more than likely the people in New York wouldn't hear about it. So they had time to fix everything before they got it to New York, and so they were investing in money into something that would eventually be very successful, as opposed to just throwing something against the wall on Broadway, a multi-million dollar something against the wall, and hoping that it sticks. Um, and it's still, even though we have social media now and different Broadway blogs and and Twitter. Um, it still is very, very common for shows to have their out-of-town tryout preview period. And a lot of theater lovers uh, respect that and um, they may be disheartened to hear if a show out of town isn't so great. They're still hopeful that by the time it gets to Broadway that you know, it'll be firing on all the cylinders. And I think something that's interesting with this is, I feel like some people are mistaking this as a
0: Britney Spears musical it's yeah. a jukebox musical which just means they they take a bunch of songs that were already created their own separate entity create a storyline now this tell a little bit to the to the listeners about what the actual plot is you know what's the Header. what's the elevator
1: pitch of what Once Upon a One More Time is? Once Upon a One More Time. Uh, Well, it's kind of more, uh, like you said, it's not about Britney. It is, but it's not. uh, It's not like Tina or Jersey Boys where it's, you know, biographical. This is in the vein of like Mamma Mia, where it's an original story set with someone else's catalog of music. And Britney actually came up with the concept, Love a Love a Queen. Um, and it's about a group of fairy tale princesses in the fairy tale realm. And uh, in this world, it kind of exists the rule that um, whenever a child has a storybook read to them, these fairy tale characters are in their own little universe and they have to kind of pop into the story. And they're all supposed to stick to the status quo and fall in love with their princes and do every single thing, you know, by the book, literally. And there's this narrator who's kind of in charge of everything and, and, and runs the show. And uh, one day, Cinderella is feeling kind of blue, like like her life is boring and repetitive, and she's trapped, and and needs to you know to break free from this. And uh, the OFG, the original, the notorious OFG, the uh, original fairy godmother comes, and drops uh, a copy of the feminist mystique uh, in her lap, and wants her to read it. And uh, Cinderella does, and her eyes are opened up, and while all this is going on, she's starting to realize that her prince charming may not be faithful to just her and that some of the other girls around her maybe have some of the same questions or issues that she does. And so it's her going from princess to princess and opening their eyes and them all kind of deciding what's best for them. Uh, it's, it's hysterical, it's sweet. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but there are some wonderful messages. It is just a, great, great gay old time in every sense. I love it. And for those who don't know, the
0: Feminine Mystique, that was back in the 60s, I believe it was. Yeah, I believe. So. Yeah. Uh, Betty Friedan, Fre- I think. I don't remember her yes. name. Yes. And that was the second wave of feminism. So for those listeners who are like, what exactly is a Feminine Mystique? That was all about, you know, there was this thought women should, you know, have children, should not be educated, should stay in the kitchen sort of thing. And this was like, no, you're going to be unsatisfied and unfulfilled if you do this so hearing what that is and knowing you know kind of what that that background is you can easily relate that to Britney Spears's true story that here it is these women are supposed to go on stage do their thing when they're supposed to Mm -hmm. not question anything Mm -hmm. and when they're done they go back to their house and don't come out again until they're entertaining their people it's almost Mm -hmm. like court jesters they're just brought in like committed to art. they're just brought in to do your thing you do it and then you leave you're not supposed to you're supposed to be satisfied with what that is you're honored to be given the part of being a tool in this in this whole thing yes so,
1: ab- absolutely
0: so then with this talk a little bit about some of the songs and what's interesting is based on this with the the story and people knowing mm-hmm. Britney, because very much so, like I said, I think part of this whole branding thing is they didn't want to say this was a Britney Spears authorized anything because that's a whole separate entity. But hearing this, you can go, this is relatable to Britney, even if even if she was not at those meetings, even if she didn't. Clearly, this is telling her story to an extent. you know. And the Disney connection is kind of interesting because we think of Absolutely. Disney Cinderella not not Rodgers and Hammerstein things before. So talk a little bit about this, about some of the
1: songs. Do you remember what like the opening track was or the i want songs things like that uh baby one more time is the opening one thing that's really interesting about this show is that a lot of jukebox musicals they'll um they'll tweak a lyric here or there but for the most part the song that you know is the song you're going to hear this time i would say about 45 percent of the lyrics of these songs have been changed um now for the most part the chorus is the same baby one more time does go uh, Once Upon a One More Time is how the chorus goes. Um, but there are a lot of the verses are are tweaked or altered um, and uh, things are changed to help move the story forward. And I really give the the creators credit that they didn't just kind of shoehorn the song in as best they could. They really found places where these songs really work. Um, Lucky is kind of like the, um, the I Want song, kind of as is work um, there's this oh do they actually the say what? In, do they actually say in the show they do they do they absolutely do um, it. it's funny I wore uh, one of my Britney tour jackets to the show and it had work on the back and one of the guys who worked on the production happened we were really close he had to be sitting behind me and he tapped me on the shoulder and he was like just wait until we get to this part and uh, and that number specifically it's the stepsisters Saying to Cinderella, if you want this, if you want that, you better get to work. But then, when you get to the bridge, um, it's Cinderella's mantra to herself about lift, rising above all of this. And it becomes this, uh, and it's again, some of the lyrics are tweaked, but it becomes this really great uh, juxtaposition between the work, 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 and then you know her right, trying, attempting to rise above it. It's really clever. It's really clever.
0: Well, and I, what I found interesting is looking at that set list, uh, one of our previous guests, Megan Cattone, mm-hmm. uh, co-writer of Pretty Girls, uh, Pretty Girls is in there. And some of these yep. songs, it's like, if I'm dancing from the Glory album, some some people may say, well, that's got to be somebody who's listened to the album. That's not just a random. They didn't go with the jukebox number one hits or anything by any means. So do you remember, you know, what song on this, were you like, I was shocked out of every song
1: that they had that. Uh, you know, I will say a lot of Britney fans are a lot harder on Britney Jean than they should be. I, uh, as a Britney diehard, love Passenger. I think it's a great song. And that is the closing number. And it's all of the princesses coming together and, uh, say they changed lyrics a bit saying that they're they're not going to be a passenger they're going to be in the driver's seat they're going to take control um and it's it's kind of lovely and there were so many people leaving the theater who were familiar with Britney but didn't know her that well and were saying what is this song what is this fantastic song and like i'd stop them and be like uh passenger Britney Jean 2013 thank you <laughs> you know like but um it's it was lovely and Cinderella one of my favorite Britney songs in this version, it's a ballad. And it's such a great, uh, you know, for a 2001, you know, very uh, poppy song, you know, gets you going. It's it, it translates so well to this really pivotal moment where Cinderella is kind of finding herself and the lyrics are not really changed that much and they work so well when slowed down and you really strip everything away. And it just shows, uh, how universal Britney's music is, and and how it can um, go in so many different directions that you're not even anticipating it going. So, what about like scream and shout? Because that's
0: like just Britney <laughs> chorus. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's just Britney on the chorus. How do they incorporate scream and shout when it's a Will I Am you know rap
1: song? They they do have they do have the rap. Um, it's the princesses. Um, they are gearing up. It's near the very end of the show. They're gearing up to uh, fight back. And uh, the fairy godmother is actually doing the bring the action part. And every time she does it, she has this robot voice. And she's like, oh, something's in my throat. What's going on? Uh, they Absolutely. change the raps a lot to uh, correspond with what's happening on stage. But then the scream and shout is more their internal voices that they want to let it all out. They want to break free of this world that they're in. Now, for those who don't know, musicals,
0: I mean, you have the big opening number to grab people's attention. So we know it's, you know, baby one more time or once upon yep. a one more time. What was the closing of act one? What was that song that wanted you to come back? Cause I see songs in here from make me to oops, to I want to go
1: uh, sometimes till the world ends. I believe if I remember correctly, uh, and it's been a couple of days, I believe I want to go was the end of act one because it was when Cinderella had finally convinced all the princesses uh, most of act one is Cinderella's journey. And by the end of act one, she's convinced the princesses and I could be wrong. So if people are listening and they're like, he's totally wrong. Don't come at me. Because it, it's been a minute. I believe it's when she's rallied the princesses and they're like, I want to go all the way and, you know, break free. Well, and for those who may be wondering, there is a program, but the program doesn't list anything
0: finalized yeah. because this is just a preview. This is just, I have told people, it's kind of trying it out everything from the casting to the music, to the set, to everything, because things can change i remember it was like the was it the share show the share musical it was mm-hmm. like 3 hours with no like no intermission or whatever when it first came to chicago and then songs were taken out songs were changed so i think what's interesting is figuring out what song do they choose to close with for both like passenger being a closing number you know or even towards the end of it it's wow cuz most people wouldn't think of that song because
1: most people don't know that song that's the fact of the matter now i will say that it's a typical broadway tradition now once the story has ended the actors do their bows then there's always a song that they usually sing you know they reprise something from earlier in the show this time they kind of do what they did in the share show they have like a mini concert they do a medley of britney hits and then they finish with till the world ends but as far as the story of the show goes if we cut out the bows passenger is the finale. But if we're going all the way to the bows and it's till the world ends, as it should be. So we talked about how Cinderella, the song itself from the
0: the Britney album, was kind of revamped to be more of a ballad. Mm-hmm. What song then would you say was the closest to the original incantation of it? Is there one song where you're like, this is this is the most similar and Cinderella
1: might be the most different from the original. I would say lucky uh, toxic every time. Those are pretty much exactly how you remember them. If, even if you haven't heard them for a minute, when you go in the show and it starts, you know exactly where you're going, even stronger. Stronger is pretty much exactly how it is in the Britney recording.
0: Who sings
1: the, uh, I was just looking at this, this set list. Who does piece of me? Cinderella. <laughs> Cinderella, it's mixed with slave for you. It's when the step sisters are ripping her dress before she goes to the ball and she's saying you want a piece of me Ooh, and the stepsisters it. are essentially saying you're a slave for us and and there's a lot I will say slave for you isn't uh represented that much um because it's kind of hard to play with that they do tweak it a bit but it's more it starts with slave for you bit a piece of me slave for you and then it's all out piece of me
0: and I want to remind people because they may say wait you know you said Brittany was involved uh correct me if I'm wrong but years ago when this first started because people I think should know Broadway musicals, it takes years, a Ooh, long time for these to happen. Time. Now, Britney Spears was actually at one of the table reads mm-hmm. at this she point, is. it seems like years ago. It um, was, it was years ago. And how normal is that for an artist to, you know, be at a table read or be at a read through before, you know, cause that my thing is based on that specific statement, She's not one of those people that just signed on to be like, okay, I, you could use
1: my stuff and then show up opening night. That clearly she was involved at other points. Right. I will say that uh, for most artists, it is very, very common that they are heavily involved. I mean, to the point where they are at every preview. They are doing a lot of promotional tours. They are the the librettist, the playwright, the person writing the script is usually working with them one-on-one, taking their calls, lots of emails back and forth. Cher was very hands-on with hers. Um, Frankie Valli with his, uh, um, Carol King, Brittany, because unfortunately of the conservatorship and and things being kept away from her, I don't believe she was as involved as other artists were, but she did come up with the concept. She did attend the reading. She did give her blessing afterwards and say how much she really enjoyed it. Um, So there was involvement. It it wasn't like, you know, Hey, Brittany, we did this. Hope you like it. You know, she, she was involved in parts of the process. And is she then listed as like a, an EP
0: or a producer on this? Like what sort of behind the scenes title does
1: she have if she has anything they haven't really released any of that stuff yet they they that's that's probably more when we get to new york they're really going to plaster names up there i would not be surprised if her name is up there because it is her product it's something she endorses it's something she helped create uh she should be up there uh i i don't know if she will be but um i wouldn't be surprised if you see her name the great thing is her having that that performance musical background,
0: you know, off Broadway Ruthless when she was yeah. like, you know, I don't know 8, 9, 10 whatever it was where she's a performer. So and we know in uh, for the record, she goes to Broadway shows. You know, she talks yeah, she about does. different things like she was in talks to be Christina Applegate's like replacement in Sweet Charity back yeah, in the yeah. day. And so with that being said, do you think that a, fans of Britney Spears will enjoy it, and B, do you think people who might not be fans of Britney and her music
1: might enjoy it? Um, Fans, definitely, 100%. There's a website called uh, broadwayworld.com, and there are chat boards on there, and there's a section for Once Upon a One More Time. And uh, a lot of Broadway fans are very elitist, and I initially expected when uh there was a a section for britney for it to just be slamming and nasty and trashing and it was mainly britney fans that kind of ran over to that board and were like very protective as we should be of the queen um (laughs) and all the response when the show first opened i saw the third preview so there were two other performances before mine and uh all of the the comments and everything were very 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 positive a lot of them diehard fans but that's a big chunk of who this is appealing to. Since then, a couple people who who aren't as well-versed in her catalog or, or don't really pay much attention to her have seen it. And uh, their response may not have been as glowing as say mine was, but I will say um, Brittany's main demographics have always been, well, I think she's a universal artist. She primarily appeals to gay men and, uh, cis heterosexual women a lot of the times. And uh, they certainly key in those two demographics with this show. I think if, so if you're a Britney fan, go, go, go. Uh, if you're not a Britney fan, um well, I'm judging you, but if you're not a Britney <laughs> fan, um I think there is certainly enough humor alone that uh, it's worth seeing it. But certainly, even if you don't really care about Britney, there's enough songs that you've heard, Baby, one more time, oops, I did it again, you drive me crazy, toxic. There's enough in there that you are familiar with and hopefully there'll be other songs that you discover along the way, like, oh my gosh, this is a great one. Um, So yes and yes to both of those. I'm sure there will be people who, Go to it, and they dismiss it as fluffy and and you know a waste of their time. But I think for people who want to go to the theater and have a good time and and kick back and just enjoy it, uh, it's a quick show. It's only two hours with, and that's uh, with the intermission. So Love it's it. it's really in and out. Um, I it's just a great night at the theater.
0: Perfect. So then for those listeners. Uh, How can they, you know, go ahead and check out Once Upon a One More Time in D.C., where they're going to be hearing, you know, almost 25 Britney songs that that are, I'd say most of these songs are beloved by, you know, fans. So how can they how can they find
1: this? How long is it uh, at that venue? Um, It's at the Shakespeare Theater in D.C., If you just Google Once Upon a One More Time Shakespeare Theater, it's going to pop up right there. It's running until uh, January 9th. It was actually extended, uh, I think, by a week uh, because the sales have been extremely good. Um, A lot of times, without a town tryouts, uh, sometimes it's hard to uh, get interest from the public. And uh, a lot of times they have to offer discounts. Uh, For this, they have not had to. It's been doing extremely well. Um, In fact, the night after I went to the show, I went to a Britney drag. Uh, drag show that was sponsored by the musical, and a lot of people were there, predominantly gay men, and a lot of them um, all had tickets for the show for various different times, and there was just this energy that was around it that's not really common amongst brand new shows. So I think this is something really, really special. And what about the the ticket price right now? What would you what would you say the
0: range is? Because uh, it's not it's not a Broadway show, you know what I mean, and it's not like. They're, they're hand scalpers and whatnot, making somebody pay for a Hamilton ticket for like
1: $4,000 or anything like that. What are the right. average um, prices for tickets to this? It's about uh, $49.50 to, I'd say, $149, which is pretty standard for out-of-town mm. stuff. They still need to make the money because they need to be able to pay for the theater on Broadway. But Broadway prices are, are getting so astronomical. That would be, it's nothing for New York.
0: Got it. So, what is one last thing you'd like to leave with the listeners about this musical? Any, you know, your personal connection to this musical, having waited years, you know, from, uh, for, for all those who don't know, Tommy and I were supposed to go to opening mm-hmm. night several times years ago at, you know, yeah, at cool. this point. So, uh, for a personal note
1: for you, how, how do you feel having seen it finally? I, it was nothing but joy. I, I was really scared going into it, not only as a Britney fan, but as a playwright, like, am I going to leave this just livid and mad? And and I smiled for two hours. The audience, the roar of the laughter was fantastic. It, I think if if you're a fan that's on the fence and you're like, oh, no, are they going to screw it up? They don't. It is go have a great time. Um, and. you're you're just, you're going to love it. You're going to be so happy that you saw it. I'm actually going back to see it again because I loved it so much.
0: That's awesome.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much,
0: Tommy, for stopping by and chatting with us about Once Upon a One More Time. The musical is presently playing in DC. Uh, You have until like what the 9th of January to check it out. So make sure you do that. You can Google it, search it, find it uh, for any information. I wanted to hop out for a minute to talk a little bit about Uh, An interview that the playwright of Once Upon a One More Time, John Hartmere, uh, had with Metro Weekly. Now, I just thought this last paragraph of the article was interesting, and so I'm going to read it just verbatim. It says In the end, playwright John Hartmere finds it remarkable just how much unintentional overlap there is between the story he wrote and the Spears saga that is played out in real life and in real time. Over the same period, we started this a long time ago, well before anybody was talking about this, he says, referring to the conservatorship that had control over Spears in her state for something that's a non that's not a biomusical. The actual piece tracks really close with what she's gone through. This is about women learning that they should have autonomy in their own stories that really predated everything. But I follow her on Instagram just like everybody else, and she talks a lot about magic and fairies. So it feels, in a way, almost like she's willed this thing into an existence. See you on the flip side.